Uh, the kids already escaped out. I think that's good. If you want to turn your Bibles to Romans chapter 11. Romans 11, if you grabbed one of the Bibles on the way in, it's page 944. Uh, otherwise, you've got to find it yourself. And then there's also the verses will be up on the screen here. And if you need a Bible, it's our gift to you. Take it. And also, don't forget, there are, um, uh, you can, if you miss any of the sermons anytime, on the back of the bulletin, there's the different sites that you can go on and catch up with anything you missed at any time, okay? The title for today, though, we're going to do Romans 11. I'm going to do the whole chapter. Put on your seatbelts. God still has an important plan for the Jews and the nation of Israel. God still has an important plan for the Jews and the nation of Israel. Uh, the second sermon, a uh, second title could be the result of Israel's rejection, salvation for all. That's a secondary one, but uh, I'll, we'll go with the first, though. But we're going to hit them both. Now, there's a very dangerous teaching in many churches in America today called replacement theology. Replacement theology. And the replacement theology teaches that the church has replaced Israel and God's chosen people. It's replaced them. It's shocking. Even in many, what I would call, biblically solid churches, this is gaining traction. It's gaining traction. And the reason I say shocking, because replacement theology is false teaching. And it's very, very dangerous, as we're going to see. Throughout history, replacement theology has led to a lot of persecution of the Jews. Just think of the, the Crusades and what happened to the Crusades. The Crusades were supposed to be taking back the promised land, but a lot of Jews were killed during those Crusades in addition to a lot of other people. But, but that's because of the replacement theology. Even now, it's a very dangerous trend. There's a, there's a discussion and talk that there's no need for the nation of Israel. Yeah, we appreciate them because that's kind of like our heritage and, and, and all, but, but there's, there's no need for them anymore. Anymore. In the USA and even many Christians and churches, there's no longer support for Israel in a biblical way. There's no longer biblical support for the nation of Israel. It's crazy. I'll just read you a couple of studies. Four, uh, here's a, a study. This was in the Jerusalem Post. They, they printed this study and they found it. Four in five U.S. Christians see this two-state solution to the Israel-Palestinian conflict. While there is a belief that Christians support greater Israel described in the Bible, the survey results suggest that the majority of U.S. Christians prioritize peace over the end of days aspiration. So four in five Christians in America believe that the solution for all that's going on in Israel is to have a two-state solution. Take some of the land of Israel and give it to the Palestinians. That's what, the, the, that's what this is happening, according to this study. This was in the Jerusalem Post. American Christians are strongly supportive of a two-state solution. And some of this I did in my home fellowship, but there's too much, too much good stuff. I want to share it with the whole church. Uh, supportive of a two-state solution in which Israel and the Palestinians self-govern and enjoy national borders respected by all. Wink, wink. A new survey published over the weekend is found. According to the survey, 81% of U.S. Christians believe in a two-state solution, with 88% saying that Israel, Israelis have the right to determine their statehood and government, <clears throat> and 76% that the Palestinians have the same right. Now, we're just getting started. Uh, also, 40% of American Christians said that the armed rebellion of the Palestinians is a natural response to being mistreated by Israel. 40% thought it was okay. Why wouldn't they, right? Uh, the media, and the, the headline, this is Jerusalem Post. This is a Jerusalem Post. The media is influencing Christians more than the Bible or the church. Strikingly, Christians are not being driven by the Bible, but by the media and their views of the Jewish state. This is the Jerusalem Post writing this. This isn't some Christian saying this, right? Moreover, although 65% of American Christians have a positive perception of Israel, some 42% of American Christians between the ages of 18 and 29 have a negative perception of Israel. The younger we go, the more negative it gets. Scary, scary, scary. Uh, Those who attend church more are more positive about Israel. Some 71% of the people who attend church at least weekly perceive Israel positively, and 72% attend at least twice a month perceive Israel positively too. Interesting, interesting, interesting. Not 
good interesting, but bad interesting, uh, uh, scary, right? Uh, the, the, the majority of Christians in America support the two-state solution, which is a joke because the Muslims have no interest in a two-state solution. No interest. They want one state. The Muslim world, they, 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 they play this game with Ameri- the media in the West, but they, they have no intention of having two states. They have want one state. They want to get rid of Israel. In fact, the recent poll, uh, 89% of Arabs, that's, those are the Muslims, say they would never support a two-state solution because Israel has no right to be there. So while we're pushing this two-state solution, the, it's just a game that they're playing. They just want to get a foothold so they can wipe Israel out. That's the bottom-line truth of what is going on. Crazy, crazy, crazy. But so many Christians, uh, so many Christians, well, we'll get to the end. Uh, we'll talk about that later. Now, re- replacement theology plays right into this. Replacement theology play, plays right into this. And it also ignores biblical prophecy. It explains biblical prophecy away in shocking ways. The prophecies of Daniel and Revelation, which I spent so much time, I hope you listened to that, are just symbolic. They're just symbolic. We are in the millennium now. We're already in the millennium. It's called a millennial. And, and it's, they believe in replacement theology. There will be no tribulation. There will be no antichrist. There will be no third temple. They mock the idea that a third temple could possibly be built. That's what the replacement theology people do. And it's scary because they won't, what happens is they won't, when, as we get closer to the time of the tribulation, which I think is getting very close, they won't defend the Jews from persecution because they're not important. We're important. And they won't defend them. And when it comes time for Jesus to separate the sheep from the goats, and the sheep from the goats are being separated based on do they defend the Jewish people, God's chosen people. That's, they're going to be on, a lot of Christians are going to be on the, the goat side. And, and, and also because they don't believe, they, don't, they think it's all symbolic prophecy. They ignore one-third of the Bible is prophecy, and they, they just got to explain it away, ignore it. We don't need to talk about that. Uh, I, I know it, someone from our church moved down south, and they were going to a, 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 what they thought was a real strong church, and all of a sudden they found out that they believe in replacement theology. And their guy was preaching through Daniel, and when he got done with the story of the, the lions and the fire, he got to the prophetic part, he said, well, we're not going to keep going into that, because that, that's you know, so confusing to people. You know, crazy, ignoring God's word, right? But, but they, 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 they'll never know what hit them. People in these churches will never know it hit them when, when, all, when all this prophecy starts being fulfilled. They're going to go along. And I tell people all the time, you're going to go along with the Antichrist. You're going to go along with his agenda, his one world order, his one world religion. You're going to go along with it. Even many, I even believe many Christians, and I use that term loosely here, will take the mark. Because they're going to be told, just like the vaccine, take it for the good of humanity. Take the mark. Take the vaccine. You know, it's all you know, it's the same rationale. That's all prepared. That was all preparing us for the mark. And God, that's the danger of replacement theology. And God still has an important plan for the Jews and for Israel, as we're going to see today from Romans 11. Let's pray. Father, we pray... We pray that you would open our eyes fully to what your word says and your prophecies say. We pray for that, Lord. And I pray that if anybody here is not ready for Jesus to come again, that they would be ready after today. They will put their faith in Jesus. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Romans 11. Let me, I'm going to read the whole, uh, whole chapter, and then we're going to just focus on some of the verses. Um, I ask then, did God reject his people? By no means. I am an Israelite myself, a descendant of Abraham from the tribe of Benjamin. God did not reject his people whom he foreknew. Don't you know what the scripture says in the passage about Elijah, how he appealed to God against Israel? Lord, they have killed your prophets and torn down your altars. I'm the only one left and they're trying to kill me. And what was God's answer to him? I have reserved for myself 7,000 who have not bowed the knee to Baal. So, too, at the present time, there is a remnant chosen by grace. And if by grace, then it cannot be based on works. If it were, grace would no longer be grace. What then? What 
What then? What the people of Israel sought so earnestly they did not obtain. The elect among them did, but the others were hardened. As it is written, God gave them a spirit of stupor, eyes that could not see, and ears that could not hear to this very day. And David says, May their table become a snare and a trap, a stumbling block and a retribution for them. May their eyes be darkened so they cannot see, and their backs be bent forever. Again I ask, did they stumble so as to fall beyond recovery? Not at all. Rather, because of their transgression, salvation has come to the Gentiles to make Israel envious." But if their transgression means riches for the world and their loss means riches for the Gentiles, how much greater riches will their full inclusion bring? I'm talking to you Gentiles in so much as I am the apostles of the Gentiles. I take pride in my ministry in the hope that I may somehow arouse my own people to envy and save some of them. For if their rejection brought reconciliation to the world, what will their acceptance be but life from the dead? If the part of the dough offered as first fruits is holy, then the whole batch is holy. If the root is holy, so are the branches. If some of the branches have been broken off, and you, though a wild olive shoot, have been grafted in among the others and now share in the nourishing sap from the olive root, do not consider yourselves to be superior to these other branches. If you do consider this, you do not support the root, but the root supports you." You will say then, branches were broken off so that I could be grafted in. Granted, but they were broken off because of unbelief, and you stand by faith. Do not be arrogant, but tremble. For if God did not spare the natural branches, he will not spare you either. Consider, therefore, the kindness and sternness of God, sternness to those who fell, but kindness to you, provided that you continue in his kindness. Otherwise, you also will be cut off. And if they do not perish And if they do not persist in unbelief, they will be grafted in, for God is able to graft them in again. After all, if you are cut out of an olive tree that is wild by nature and contrary to nature were grafted into a cultivated olive tree, how much more readily will these, the natural branches, be grafted into their own olive tree? I do not want you to be ignorant of this mystery, brothers and sisters, so that you may not be conceited, Israel has experienced a hardening in part until the full number of the Gentiles has come in. And in the same way, all Israel will be saved. As it is written, the deliverer will come from Zion. He will turn godlessness away from Jacob. And this is my covenant with them when I take away their sins. As far as the gospel is concerned, they are enemies for your sake. But as far as election is concerned, they are loved on account of the patriarchs. For God's gifts and his call are irrevocable. Just as you who were at one time disobedient to God have now received mercy as a result of their disobedience, so they too have now become disobedient in order that they too may now receive mercy as a result of God's mercy to you. For God has bound everyone over to disobedience so that he may have mercy on them all. Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor? Who has ever given to God that God should repay him? For from him and through him and for him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. There is still a Jewish Remnant. Even though the majority have rejected the Messiah at this point, there is still a Jewish remnant. Romans 11:5. Paul says, "So too, at the present time, there is a remnant chosen by grace, and this remnant has been saved by grace." Saved by grace. Verse uh, six. Verse six. The very next verse. And if by grace, then it cannot be based on works. If it were, grace would no longer be grace. It's all grace. Grace means gift. We put, we put our faith, our trust in God's gift. We're saved by faith in God's grace. We put our faith, our trust in God's gift. Salvation is a gift. Faith, faith in God's grace. Putting our faith in God's grace. And look what he says in verse 6 here. We can't add even one work, one ritual, one religious hoop to jump through. And that's what so many churches do, right? A lot of us grew up in those churches. They just, yeah, you're saved by faith in Jesus, but, oh, and by the way, you've got to do this too. And you've got to do this too. And you've got to do this too. That is adding something to grace. And nothing can be added. 
If it were, grace would no longer be grace. Once you add one ritual, one work, one anything, it's no longer grace. And that's how it get, the grace gets buried, all right? Paul's own salvation is proof that a remnant saved by grace still exists. He's proof of that. The Jewish people's rejection was temporary and prophesied. It was foretold. Many prophecies and how God would use their, when they rejected the Messiah, he would use that to save the Gentiles. Verse 11 says this. Again, I ask, did they stumble so as to, to fall beyond recovery? Not at all. Rather, because of their transgression, salvation has come to the Gentiles to make Israel envious to make israel envious and then paul goes on to use an illustration of a tree okay and some jewish branches have been broken off because they they didn't keep faith in god's grace they were broken off uh i was walking through my yard just recently and there's branches everywhere because of the snow because of the storm because of the winter and there's branches scattered all over the place uh and that's what happens spiritually the 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 many of the jews put their faith in works and the law instead of faith in God's grace. But the Gentile branches have now been grafted in to replace them. Romans eleven seventeen. It says, if some of the branches have been broken off and you, though a wild olive shoot, have been grafted in among the others and now share in the nourishing sap from the olive tree. So we have been grafted in. But the Jewish branches will be grafted in again in God's time. It's going to happen. There's a remnant already, but the entire nation will be grafted in in God's time. In fact, in verse uh, 23, verse 23, and if they do not persist in unbelief, they will be grafted in, for God is able to graft them in again. After all, if you were cut out of an olive tree that is wild by nature and contrary to nature, were grafted into a cultivated olive tree, how much more readily will these, the natural branches, be grafted into their own olive tree? tree so the entire remnant is going to is going to be grafted back in again in the meantime we shouldn't get big heads we should be talking about replacement theology oh how we've replaced you you know we can persecute you we're going to talk about more about this as we go we shouldn't get big heads oh no 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 uh we shouldn't get any big heads because the same we shouldn't become lazy spiritually because the same thing can happen to us the same thing in verse 20 it says this Granted, they were broken off because of unbelief, and you stand by faith. Do not be arrogant, but tremble. For if God did not spare the natural branches, he will not spare you either. And it's a warning to us not to become arrogant or lazy spiritually. Very, very important. Uh, And and this, this very thing does happen many times to Christians, you know, I do this because we're not, we don't know if we call them true Christians. It often does. Look how many people fell away during the pandemic. Many people who said they were Christians have fallen away and never come back to to God, to the church. Uh, Many have been exposed as false believers, apostates, people that shocking people that we used to follow their ministries and get their Bible studies. And they've been exposed during this time of falling away during this time of of apostasy. Uh, Israel. Has going back to Israel, they've only been hardened until the appointed time of the Gentiles is fulfilled. The, the, the number of Gentiles who are to be saved is fulfilled. They're only hardened until that time. Verse 25 says this, I do not want you to be ignorant of this mystery, brothers and sisters, so that you not be con- conceited. Israel has experienced a hardening in part until the full number of the Gentiles has come in. And, but once that happens, once that happens, Jesus will return and the entire Jewish remnant. Now, many Jews are going to be killed. A lot of Christians are going to be killed, too. A lot of everybody's going to be dying during the tribulation. But there's going to be a remnant, probably about two-thirds, but based on prophecy, about two-thirds of the Jews will be killed. But one-third will be left alive. That is God's elected remnant. And they're going to be waiting for the Messiah desperately. And when he comes... When Jesus comes and they realize that the first coming, the second coming, it's the same guy. When they realize that Jesus is the Messiah, the entire remnant in Israel will put their faith in Jesus Christ. Look at what Paul says in verse 26. In this way, all Israel will be saved. As it is written, the deliverer will come from Zion. Talking about Jesus here. The deliverer will come from Zion. He will turn godlessness away from Jacob. 
And this is my covenant with them when I take away their sins. Go back to verse 26. Just keep that up there. Because it says, all Israel will be saved. The Jewish remnant will receive mercy just like we have received mercy. At that time, the entire remnant will put their faith in Jesus Christ. The entire remnant, they will receive mercy just like we are. Verse 30. In verse 30, it says this. Just as you who were at one time disobedient to God have now received mercy as a result of their disobedience, so they too have now become disobedient in order that they too may now receive mercy as a result of God's mercy to you. Oh, and then verse 32 also. For God has bound everyone over to disobedience so that he may have mercy on them all. We've all, for all have sinned and fall short of God's glory. We've all turned away. And the result of that is God has allowed us to do that because he wants to show mercy, to show that we can only be saved by putting our faith in his grace. It's mercy for all. Anybody who is saved, it's completely mercy. That's God's ultimate purpose, mercy for the Jews and the Gentiles. We, we know we're saved by mercy. We couldn't do it. And they're going to realize the same thing. It's mercy for all. And it's all part of God's sovereign plan his mind-boggling plan that is beyond our comprehension this is we, this doesn't make human sense it's beyond us in fact in verse 33 that's why paul ends with oh the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of god how unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out who has known the mind of the lord or who has been his counselor who has ever given to god that god should repay him for from him and through him and to And for him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. It's mind-boggling. It's beyond us. It's like explaining geometry to an ant for us to understand this. That's what Paul is saying. Now, now we're going to get to, I've laid all that out because I want to drive this home now. God has an important plan for Israel and the Jews. That was the title. Remember, God still has an important plan. He has already given them the most important job ever, ever. They were told to prepare the way for the Messiah through the law and the prophets. We've seen that many times in Romans. The law and the prophets lead to Jesus Christ. That was their job. They were to prepare the way. And then he brought his son Jesus through the Jews. He brought him through. Jesus Christ came through the Jews. In Romans 9, 5, it says this. Remember this? Theirs are the patriarchs, and from them is traced the human ancestry of the Messiah, who is God over all, forever praised. Amen. We get Jesus through the Jews. That was their important job, to prepare the way with the law and the prophets, and then to, to, to open the door for the Messiah to come into the earth. That's why Jesus said in John 4:22, he said this. He said, you Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know for salvation is from the Jews. That's what Jesus is talking about. Salvation is from the Jews. Jesus came through the, through the Jews. It, that's where we get our salvation from. Each one of us who has put our faith in Jesus Christ owes it all, not only to Jesus, but to his chosen people. We owe it to the, God's chosen people. But God's plan is not done. He, they weren't just supposed to bring the Messiah, but it's not done all Israel will be saved. Remember that? Romans eleven twenty six. And so all Israel will be saved. It's already happening. Now, we know they talk about that remnant that's alive. One third of them, they're still alive. They're all going to turn to Jesus. But it's already happening. We see the, the beginning, the birth pains already happening in our world. We've talked about this many times. More Jews have been saved in the last 100 years than the previous 19 centuries. That was a rabbi who was complaining about it. He's the one who said it. Uh, and there, there's, and that's just the start. That's just the start because the remnant will all put their faith in Jesus Christ when he comes. So all Israel will be saved. We already see the beginning of these birth pains. We already see the beginning of the birth pains of Jesus Christ's return. In Matthew 24, we talked about this many times. And if you ever heard my sermon in Mark 13, Matthew 24, uh, with my uh, series the the Revela- Daniel Revelation series it talks about the birth pains showing when Jesus is coming again and if you've listened to Daniel Revelation you know that many of these birth pains what do birth pains do they get more intense and closer together and we're seeing that the prophetic signs are getting more intense and closer together we know that and one of and the, one of the birth pains and is that the Jews are going to turn back to Jesus and we see the Jews putting their faith in Jesus uh, as as the Messiah in an amazing way and so all 
Israel will be saved. But that, that's going to happen. But we're seeing the birth pains already. I'm going to read you a couple of things from the uh, Jerusalem Post. From the Jerusalem Post. This is going to rock your world here. I used this with our, uh, with our home fellowship. And it's just shocking. The first one is... Uh, where is it? What did I do with it? Oh, I must have moved it over here. Oh, here it is. Okay. This is in the Jerusalem Post. It says, no strings attached in response to uncovering Christian missionary efforts. And basically, there was an article in the Jerusalem Post saying that the Christian Messianic Jews were using the war to try to convert Jews. And now, of course, they would love to convert Jews, but they were saying it was a trick. They're using, they're getting their army helmets and they're getting all this equipment to the, the soldiers to try to trick them into becoming Christians. And they, they called out this one particular Messianic Jewish guy for doing this. And, and after the article was out, he asked, can I give a rebuttal? Can I share? And they let him. They let, this was published in the Jerusalem Post. Listen to this. Uh, he says this. I'll start reading it. Um, I'm just going to read it. Uh, he says, because it's just shocking. My name is Ron Cantor, and I'm a Messianic Jew. A Jewish person who believes Jesus is Israel's Messiah. This is shocking. In the Jerusalem Post. Let's get that out of the way. Recently, an article appeared in the Jerusalem Post magazine and on the website Uncovering missionary efforts, assessing the cost of political and material support during the war. Is it too dangerous? Is it too dangerous taking this out from these Messianic Jews because they're really going to do more damage than good? Uh, I'm very grateful to the Post for allowing me to respond. It's pretty shocking, isn't it? Uh, He says, Beck defamed me personally in the work of the Messiah's mandate with IDF soldiers, portraying us as manipulative soul snatchers, a threat equal to the Hamas. Equated the, the Messianic Jews to Hamas. Uh, she quoted a self-proclaimed expert. I know it's not the popular thing to say. Just as much as we're protecting ourselves on the physical side from Hamas, the terrorists, we need to protect ourselves spiritually from people like the Messianic Jews. <laughs> All right. Manipulatively piecing together different portions from our mailings, Beck wrote that I discussed how to trap soldiers into becoming Messianic. She didn't contact me to inquire whether or not her characterization was true, accurate, uh, before making such a serious allegation. I could have told her how all this began on October 13th when my wife and I attended a Shabbat dinner for soldiers. A mother there asked me if we could help bring secure bulletproof vests for her son's unit because they didn't have bulletproof vests. We started fundraising and others turned to us with needs for modern helmets, winter gear and equipment. Our partners donated $50,000 uh, to help uh, purchase all this stuff, you know, blah, blah, blah. Uh, we, got, we bought a bomb-proof neonatal unit for, for the hospital. We gave $10,000 grants to evacuees. Our donors have been unbelievable. A commander of 100 fighting men fighting the Hezbollah contacts me weekly with different needs. In tears, his wife shared... He never asked anyone for everything, but he told me, with Ron, I feel like we can ask him for whatever we need. It might shock Miss Beck, but this soldier knows nothing of my faith. Most of those we help know that our donors are Christians who love Israel. Many recipients know I'm Messianic, but the libelous claim that we trap people using humanitarian aid is blatantly false. Absent from Beck's article is testimony from even one soldier confirming her claims. Conversely, I can produce hundreds who are grateful to our donors. Faith comes from one's heart. It cannot be purchased through bribes. The idea that Israeli soldiers are so weak that they'll sell their souls for a helmet is an insult to the intelligence of the IDF. But there are acts of coercion. Beck mentioned that the May, prayer ga- and the May prayer gathering in Jerusalem, but she ignored the documented violence of that day. A ze- zealous mob of Orthodox Jews viciously beat my wife, Sabra, a former IDF drill sergeant, as I became... Uh, wait, hold on. Let's see Drill sergeant. Uh, wait, 
that time wasn't in my place. Uh, sorry. Beat, beat my wife uh, she, oh, when she tried to enter. I became Messianic after a thoughtful investigation. A rabbi asked my parents for permission to kidnap me for deprogramming. It was, this is, it was ironic that he wanted to kidnap me to deprogram me because he thought I was brainwashed, but it was the rabbi who wanted to brainwash me. Fortunately, my parents rejected him. I do understand Beck's concern. Here we go, replacement theology. Keep it in mind. For 1,900 years, the Jewish people have been subjected to horrific treatment by so-called Christians, not the real church. The church developed replacement theology. Jerusalem Post. Messianic Jew. Replacement theology, the erroneous teaching that God rejected Israel in favor of the church. In medieval times, Jews were often given the choice of baptism or expulsion and sometimes death. Jewish converts could be burned alive for simply honoring Shabbat. In 1243, an entire Jewish community was burned alive near Berlin for allegedly torturing a communion wafer. The anti-Semitic writings of Martin Luther and the church fathers had a profound influence on creating an anti-Semitic Europe. Dennis Prager writes, Christianity did not create the Holocaust. Indeed, Nazism was anti-Christian, but it made it possible. Without Christian anti-Semitism, the Holocaust would have been inconceivable. Replacement theology. My faith, however, isn't derived from Luther, but goes back to a first century Jewish movement. Every New Testament writer was Jewish and shared their faith with other Jews. I share my faith with those who are interested, as is my right in a democratic nation. However, helping my fellow Israel, Israelis comes from a deep love for our people. There are no strings attached. Most evenings, like many Israelis, we watch the news stories of those who died in battle and cry together. In November, we traveled to London to speak in the cold rain at a rally of Christians for the release of the hostages. I wore a kippah in London to express solidarity despite the danger in the UK. We couldn't wear it in the United Kingdom, right? The invited Jewish leaders expressed concern about me speaking until after they heard me. We experienced the best of Israel during this horrific period. We spent countless hours with soldiers risking their lives. We enjoyed Shabbat meals with new friends who've also donated time and energy to the war effort. None of them has the slightest reservation about us and has certainly never felt trapped. The mother who first asked for help is now with her son in the hospital as he recovers from an injury that left him paralyzed. We purchased a $3,000 computer for him and stand with him through this ordeal. They know nothing about our faith. They only know that we love the people of Israel. And nothing will stop us from serving them. The Jerusalem Post, Messianic Jew, wrote that. And boy, did he call out replacement theology, didn't he? And he's right. He's right. It, 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 it's crazy what is happening. There's, I'll read you another one now. It's called The Great Awakening. This is written by... Oh, let me read it here. Uh, an Israeli Jew wrote this. He said, I recently met with a small... Now, this is, think about the birth pains in the Jewish people and what God is doing in their hearts. I recently met with a small group of American Christians in their 50s and 60s who came to Israel to express their love of Israel during this painful time, during the war. They called it the ministry of presence. Sometimes simply showing up and being present makes all the difference. Still, I could not help but notice that the vast majority of Christians who support Israel are older. I asked the group's pastor about the younger generation of American Christians. Will they also support Israel? With a pained expression, he said, we're not confident that America will make it. That America will be there in the end. We're a country that no longer loves the Bible and God's word. There are no guarantees. 
The main reason for this shift, this is an Israeli writing this, is switching. Christians deciding they no longer want to be Christian. In other words, America is suffering from a falling away crisis of epic proportion with a vast majority of the drop-off taking place among the young Christians between the ages of 15 and 29. Millions of young Americans are turning away from God. Israeli writing this. He said that a poll found that 51% of Americans between the ages of 18 and 24, that's half of them, believe that Hamas attack on Israeli civilians can be justified. Half of the American young people think it was justified, the massacre. And that makes sense given the high number of anti-Semitic incidents at America's top universities. Here in Israel, now listen to this, here in Israel where young people are on, are, are on a completely different trajectory from their American counterparts, our young people are more religious than their parents' generation. Birth pains. During our darkest hour, they have proven themselves to be Israel's greatest generation. Selflessly fighting to protect our people and avenge the atrocities of October 7th. Filled with Jewish pride and love for one another. They are not only heroes, but are also role models for young people across the world. I have no doubt that this incredible generation of Jewish heroes, driven forward in their faith by their faith in God, will lead us to victory over our enemies. The religious revival of our youth is no accident, but a rather a sign of the great awakening of our people. foretold by our prophets in the end of the days. Days are coming, says Hashem, when I will send a famine into the land, not a famine of bread nor a thirst for water, but to hear the word of the Lord, Amos 8, 11. This is an Israeli writing this. Our soldiers are thirsty for God's word. For the Bible and God's commandment, this tangible living thirst which fills the practical lives of the Jewish people with its light calls out to the nation to wake up, rise up, shake off the dust of humiliation, Rabbi somebody. Uh, America's spiritual decline is real and it does not bode well for her future. But let us not forget that God has a plan for the world, a plan far deeper than our human understanding can grasp. Wow. Wow, 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 wow. Wow. The birth pains. The birth pains. It's incredible, isn't it? It's just incredible. God is preparing his people for the return of the Messiah. We're seeing it. It's incredible. He's preparing them for the return of Jesus Christ, who is coming back to Jerusalem. The prophecies say he's coming back to Jerusalem. Not to New York City, not to Washington, D.C., D.C., better not believe it. He's coming back to Jerusalem. Argentina's president this past week visited what? Jerusalem. And he said they're going to move the embassy there. The United States started that ball rolling. President Trump started it. God used him prophetically. Like him, love him or not. Lump him, whatever. God used him powerfully to start the ball rolling. And now the Argentina's president is going to do it. He promised to move the embassy there. Because Jesus Christ is coming back to Jerusalem. He's coming back to the temple. And he's going to cleanse it again. Just like he cleansed the temple when he was here. He's going to cleanse it again. He's going to have to. The Antichrist garbage is going to be all over it, right? And yes, the temple will be rebuilt on the temple mount. It's going to happen. Somehow, we don't know. A missile's going to hit it. An earthquake. Something. The Antichrist is going to make a big peace deal with Israel. You know, two-state solution in exchange for letting them build the temple. We don't know what's going to happen. But it's going to happen. And the Jews know it. And the Muslims know it. There are arrests and riots every week on the Temple Mount. 
Because the Muslims know it's going to be rebuilt. They're terrified. And the Jews know it's going to be rebuilt. There are tunnels all over. You read these archaeological stories coming out. There's tunnels everywhere under the Temple Mount. It's like a one big cavern. It's like Lord of the Rings, you know, the, the, the mines of Moriah, Moriah or whatever, you know, the dwarves. You should see these t- massive. The pictures are crazy. And they claim they know where the Ark of the Covenant is. They're sure of it. The rabbis are sure they, have, they know where it is. Where it's hidden. I can't wait for this to happen. Because I, have, I hear these replacement theology preachers. Even right around here. I hear them. I hear their stories. And they're mocking the, the, that the third temple can be rebuilt. And I'm just waiting. I'm just biding my time. Because when it happens, I'm going to call these guys. I'm going to send them emails. I'm going to rub it in their faces. I know it's not. No, it is Christian. It's prophetic, right? It's prophetic. And, uh, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say, I told you so. And hopefully it will happen before the rapture, because if the rapture happens, I doubt most of these guys are going to be going. But anyway, uh, that's a whole other thing. God has an important job for his chosen people to do. So what should we do as Christians? What should I'm not talking about Christians, but what should we do as real Christians? We should be supporting God's chosen people. We're, we're called to do that. We're called to pray for them. Romans 10.1, remember what Paul said in Romans 10.1? Brothers and sisters, my heart's desire and prayer to God for the Israelites is that they may be saved. We should be praying for them, praying for their salvation. We should be witnessing to them. Romans 11.14, which we read today. In Romans 11.14, in the hope that I may somehow arouse my own people to envy and save some of them. We should be making them jealous, make them want what we have. That's what we should be doing. And then we should love and bless them. Genesis 12, 3. Woo. I will bless those who bless you. And whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Bless those who bless you. Curse those who curse you. We should love and bless them. Love and bless them. And this passage, that verse is scary because most young people in the United States are now anti-Israel. Did you know that? I've already pointed to it several times. Young Americans, this is in the Jerusalem Post again. You want to read real news? Read the Jerusalem Post. Young Americans believe Jews are oppressors. Call for genocide are okay. The majority of young people in America today now believe the Jews are the oppressors and the genocide is okay. They, They believe that. And not just them, but our president believes that. Uh, I don't know if you've been following the whole story, but when, when the war started, President Biden was so positive, going to support Israel, going to help them. And my, our connected dot group say, what's going on? I thought he, what's he doing? I go, it's not going to last. He's going to stab them in the back. This is, he's not pro-Israel. He's going to end up stabbing them in the back. Nobody really, I think everybody's like, oh, Pastor Jeff, let be a little hard on our president. No, I know him. I know where, where, who's driving him and who's controlling him, the spirit of the, the Antichrist. And, and, what, and sure enough, he has now come out. He is now going after Israel. Biden officials tell Arab Americans in Michigan this week that the administration made missteps in support for the Israel-Hamas war. We made a big mistake supporting Israel. <laughs> they're, they're preaching this to the Muslims in America. We, we made a big mistake. And, and Israel's gone way over the top. Do you see the headline? Israel's gone way over the top in this war. They've gone too far. We're going to rein them in. That's what, that's what scares me is that our, if our president and our young people and anti-Semitism is rampant on the college campuses, it's rampant in Congress, unbelievable things being said. It's scary. And it's in the church, too. I already pointed that out, that four-fifths of Americans, 80% support a two-state solution. Why? Because they've let the media, remember the Jerusalem Post said the media has brainwashed them. They're getting their info from the media. That's why. And where are we supposed to get it from? God's word should determine our worldview. God's word should determine our view of the nation of Israel, not the media. It's, it's crazy. God's word is the key. And, and remember what it's talked about how you know, 
going to church on a regular basis is the key for having the right perspective. But even a lot of churches don't preach it. That's the other problem. But but the, God's word is the key. And God's word says that God has given Israel to his chosen people. He gave it to them when Joshua marched on in. And, he, and it's never been taken away. And in the, the prophetic is that they're going to have it all. That's what God's word teaches. Gaza belongs to God's chosen people. The West Bank, it doesn't matter what our president says. And he's not the first one. George Bush was, you know, George W. made them give back the West Bank. Sick stuff. Wicked. And we paid the price. And, and the, the West Bank belongs to Israel. In fact, if you look at the map of what God promised Israel and, and, and to Joshua, it's massive. They've got Swiss cheese right now. They've got a little sliver of Swiss cheese. It, it's, it, they get a lot more from God. It belongs to the people of Israel. It was given by God. And if you have a problem with that, if you have a problem with them getting all of it, you have a problem with God. Four-fifths of Americans have a problem with God and his word. Very, very important. God has a plan for Israel. And we better support that plan. And he has a plan for every one of us. God has a plan for every one of us. Each one of us. Maybe you're here today and you've never acted on his plan. God has a plan not only to save the remnant someday with the Jewish people, but he has a plan to save you, every one of us, right now. He has that plan. But maybe you've never acted on that plan. You've never put your faith in Jesus Christ. He sent his son Jesus, Jewish Jesus, to die on a cross to pay for our sin. He sent him to rise again from the dead three days later so that we could have a brand new life justified before God. That we could live a brand new life. But we have to put our faith in Jesus. There's a reason why you are here. And that is to hear this. You're here to hear. John 3.16, I end it. Every time for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life, everlasting life. Let's pray. How is God speaking to us today? How is God speaking to us? Maybe you're here and you've never put your faith in Jesus Christ. You've never given your life to him. You've never acted on God's love and his sacrifice of his son. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Are you ready to put your faith in Jesus? To be forgiven. To repent of the sin and the garbage and and, and all of that. To get a brand new life. Are you ready to do that? You can have that right now. It happens in your heart. Putting your faith in Jesus in your heart. But I always encourage people to, to say a prayer of faith. To put an exclamation on that, that faith. Right where you are. Wherever you are. Sitting here. Sitting in your car. Wherever you are. Still in bed. Wherever you are. The prayer of faith. God, I repent I repent of my sin. I repent of the garbage in my life. Anything that I've done that goes against your word or your will for my life. I repent. I ask you to forgive me. To wash away the shame. I ask you to forgive me. Because I'm putting my faith in your son Jesus. I'm putting my faith in his death for me to pay for my sin. I'm putting my faith in his resurrection to give me a new life. I put my faith in Jesus. I give my life to him. If you have put your faith in Jesus, pray it in your heart to God. He has now become your Father. 
Jesus is now your Savior. The Holy Spirit is now inside of you, making you a brand new person. You will never be the same. Your life will never, can never be the same. You will never be able to enjoy sin again. It won't be the same. You will never read the Bible the same because the words are going to be fire jumping out at you. Alive. The Word of God is living and active. Sharper than any double-edged sword. It's going to be alive to you. You're going to have the Holy Spirit's conviction and guidance in leading you. You're going to have real life. Not an empty, worthless, all you have to look forward to is a Super Bowl life. But you're going to be looking forward to a super life. Because you now have real life. The life you are meant to live. I want to encourage you to tell somebody. Maybe you're here with a family member or friend. Tell them today. Make the commitment. Tell me on the way out. I'll be excited. Text me. Email me. Maybe you have a friend at work or school or college. A grandmother's been praying for you. Tell her today. So we can be excited for you and and help you grow. For those of us who are already Christians, how is the Holy Spirit speaking to us? Yes, we're God's chosen people. We've been grafted into that tree. But how is God speaking to us to love and bless our Jewish brothers and sisters? To think biblically. Father, I pray for every one of us that we would... I pray for everybody here that would be saved, but but also for those who have already put our faith in Jesus, that we would bring many of your chosen people back to you. We would be preparing the ground, planting the seeds, watering it, making them want what we have, which is Jesus Christ, our Jewish Messiah. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Oh, thanks for being here today. Have a great day ahead. Have a great week. Hope you enjoy the Super Bowl as well. Thanks for being here. Two, three.